We return to bringing light into darkness with our guest, Jeremy Kuzarov, and our discussion about Navalny and Putin. And the other issue that Navalny wants to weaken, you know, Putin has kind of reined in some of the pro- He's brought various provinces in Russia under greater Russian government control, where Navalny wants to uh, kind of defederalize the system and give more autonomy to the regions. Mm-hmm. But that is a goal of the CIA, to, to destabilize and weaken Russia by supporting separatist movements. And the CIA does that in many countries that they mm-hmm. want to weaken. So, you know, many Russians don't support that agenda and favor Putin's approach, even if some of the methods may be a bit heavy-handed. Mm-hmm. That's a very good analysis. I think that between promoting division and separatist movements and and then also with the heavy hands of the sanctions, it's just amazing how we have so many sanctions everywhere against any country that does not carry our water for us in the way we want them to carry it. Saudi Arabia and all these Gulf monarchies, the worst violators of human rights, hands off of them, no sanctioning them. But if you want that sovereignty uh, and exercise that sovereignty, what that means, apparently, is exactly what you were alluding to. I mean, it seems like anything that allows the looting of these economies is is promoted. I mean, it certainly was in uh, in Iraq and uh, under Bremer and the coalition government there, or provisional government, I should say, where it went in and just privatized the economy. We were talking about that a couple of weeks ago on the show. To make money for who? Not for the Iraqis, but for investment capital, which are these Western groups. And you just went through how uh, under Yeltsin, the whole economy was looted. And, and it seems to be uh, anything that allows that type of activity, we're hands off in that, those countries. Those are kind of who we gravitate towards. Are those countries that provide an oligopoly paradise, even though they really aren't um, our interests? Let me switch gears, unless you want to speak more to that topic. But this language that Biden used about Putin and the very quick escalation of diplomatically, as Putin recalled, their ambassador. And again, these types of what I can't call them anything but provocations. It seems like we try to provoke conflict in these types of things. Can you speak to the accusation that Putin is a killer, how that is an inappropriate diplomatic deal, but also to the issue of something that everyone assumes is true, but I have not seen direct evidence on how Putin was ever any more involved in you know assassination attempts or those types of things in any way that compares with our own history as a country throughout the world. Can you address that deal and give us a, an honest interpretation of Putin's past that always seems to be thrown out there as a character trait that's never changing? Yeah, I, I think it draws on certain stereotypes many Americans have, including American liberals, about Russia as this kind of dark place. And, you know, there there is a long history of Russophobia in the West, and it doesn't get acknowledged as something equivalent to racism. But that's what it is. It's as pernicious as, as racism towards black people or people of color. Mm-hmm. You know, it's this view that, that Russians are backward and, and their politics is inevitably violent and corrupt, and their leaders are more akin to warlords. Mm-hmm. And it also, you know, presents an idealized version about the West and its leadership, as you point out, I mean, look at Suleimani. I mean, that was a clear case of a state-sanctioned assassination of Omar Suleimani by Donald Trump. And, you know, the Obama drone war, I mean, Biden was a key figure in that. So you could 
I think, legitimately claim that Obama was a killer. In fact, Obama made jokes about it, and he said, I'm pretty good at killing, and it was supposed to be funny. And, you know, every Tuesday they had a meeting where they selected the targets for killing, and one was even American citizen, and there was never due process employed in those assassinations. So, you know, and then you can look at U.S. history with the assassination of Kennedy. I mean, our politics has been very corrupt and violent. Martin Luther King, uh, a lot of liberal figures who were really promoting change in the system got killed, and it wasn't by coincidence. So a lot of countries do have violence in their politics. Uh, Russian politics has, you know, some violence, certainly. Uh, as far as whether Putin has ordered people's assassination, it hasn't been corroborated. Uh, there's a study by Amy Knight that uh, who's is very hostile to Putin, and the author believes he was an assassin. However, again, like what we're saying, she admits the evidence is circumstantial and not proven that he ordered any assassinations. So that's a you know a leading study with some good research by a strongly hostile writer to Putin has not corroborated his role in any assassinations. So, you know, it's irresponsible to make charges. I mean, we, we believe in innocent before being proven guilty in our court system, and I think we should abide by that as a victim. So I think it's very reckless and irresponsible to accuse people of crimes when the evidence has not been established. And it's, it's very politicized in this case, and it's leading to a very dangerous confrontation between two nuclear-armed countries. In fact, in your article, you also indicate Putin's response, accusing Navalny of being a, a foreign agent, and said that, quote, if Russia special services had wanted to kill him, they would have finished it. <laughs> so um, yeah. <laughs> that that's kind of an interesting and common sense. Yeah, I mean, they're not that inept. You know, in the past, the KGB, I think it has been proven that they have carried out assassination, like in the Cold War. They're not a Keystone Cops organization. Right. And if you were to believe everything we're told, they, they would be completely Keystone Cops. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a guy supposedly told Navalny over the phone what went down. You know, that would never happen. No, no secret agent is going to spill the beans over the phone. And then what was missing in that story was that he was actually allegedly only involved in the cleanup, but uh, allegedly he was claiming that they poisoned him through the underwear. But how would he know that if he was only part of the cleanup crew at the hospital? Mm. And these kind of assassination, they're not going to tell small bit players the entire plan. You know, they just give them a job. They don't tell them. Uh, you know, that's how professional intelligence uh, agencies are run. And, you know, Russia has a professional intelligence agency. Does it always do good things? No, but they're not Keystone cops. And in this case, it really hasn't been established you know, that he was poisoned. So right. it's a possibility, but it would require more investigation to prove it. Well, this guy, Frank Elby, that you quote, referred to in your article, that he headed the office of the foreign minister yes. for five years. He negotiated the convention on the prohibition of chemical weapons uh, as the head of a, of a German delegation in Geneva from 1983 to 86. Your article goes on saying that he raised doubts about the German defense ministry's conclusion that Novichok was used because this is one of the most powerful chemical agents. He says Novichok belongs to a group of super lethal substances that cause immediate death. It made no sense to modify a nerve poison that was supposed to kill instantly in such a way that it did not kill, but left traces behind, allowing its identification. Can you explain that? Would it be normal that if a Novichok was used, that, that there would be no traces left behind? What is the significance of a little more clarity on that, that it didn't make well, sense? Yeah. 
No, no. Yeah, no, no. I, I think he's reinforcing what Putin is saying: is that look, if they want to kill him, they would kill him. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not going to leave traces. Uh, uh, you know, firstly, that that poison is very deadly poison. It's designed to kill. So uh, a lab is not going to modify it so that it wouldn't kill somebody. Uh, you know, and you know, he's saying that in this case, there's so many. Uh, odd thing because normally it poisoned everybody and kills everybody who touches it. Right. But but only Navalny was was sick allegedly from it. But it was supposedly either on his underwear, water bottle. You know, they're they're also not clear on on where he got the poisoning. And you know, if there were traces in his hotel room, people would have touched it and also been poisoned and and died. So. You know, it, it's just very questionable. You know, experts, you know, uh, really question this official story, and I think they they suggest indeed that you know, if intelligence service wants to poison somebody, they're they're going to kill him. They're not just going to do a dab of it so he's sick and recovers. And when there's a crime, you have to look at who benefits from the crime. Right. And in this case, the clear beneficiary is the U.S. government and the you know anti-Putin opposition forces, because this could be used to you know further demonize Putin and fuel the anti-Putin agenda. And Navalny's the big winner because he looks like a hero when he's, a, as we've discussed, a shady guy with with limited support in the country. So, you know, nine times out of ten. The, the the person who benefits from a crime is the perpetrator. So uh, there's strong uh, grounds to suspect that a, some kind of black flag operation or just blowing a guy's sickness way out of proportion and trying to make like he was poisoned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, you know, I, bribing people to say he was poisoned. I, I also think if if our foreign policy under Democrats and Republicans is always about war and making war and making conflict and huge defense spending and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, then the way the American psyche gets manipulated is is a real art of propaganda. It's much more than that. And so when Biden uses that word killer, it's almost like everything has already been set in the American mindset. <laughs> so that when he says that word, all these images come to their minds that you, I think, very appropriately addressed just a few minutes ago on this show that there are gross exaggerations and really nothing compared to the uh, absolute proven facts of Western types of aggressions and activities that have caused so many to perish in this world. So I do think that it's a very conscious type of deal. It's very pernicious that we have been, you know, that we get played so easily. And lastly, I wanted you to address one thing, because I remember in the Skirple poisoning, one of the very first things, first of all, they immediately claimed that it was Russia before an investigation was even uh, complete in any form or fashion, you know, within days. And that evidence has never been brought forth. But they brought up that very same argument that only Russia has Novichokes. And, and, and apparently, Novichokes were created by Russia, just as we have been involved with creating uh, nerve agents ourselves, I, I, I suspect. But they actually escaped Russian custody in, in, in some form or fashion. Are you familiar with who does have access to Novichok, or, or at least the fallacy of assuming that because it is a Novichok, it had to be Russia? Yes, and I think it's a stereotype. What you were saying before 
is that, you know, people are kind of conditioned here in the United States. There's still kind of Cold War mentality, and it's the big bad Russians. You know, and Russia's this dark place of corruption and violence and brutality, and their criminal justice system, you know, the gulag, because, like, there are a lot of images and references to the gulag where Navalny's being sent. And, you know, I made the point that, look, our prisons, uh, you know, it's not to say Russian prisons aren't perfect, but uh, are perfect, they're not, but it's a worldwide problem. And you can make, I think, a strong case. Amnesty International condemned American supermax facilities uh, as completely inhuman and cruel. And I think that's far worse than anything in Russia. So it's just a stereotype about Russia, but people are conditioned to think that way. And the second part of the question, we know for a fact that Novichuk was sold on the black market in the 90s, and there was a case of a non-government agent, a scientist, who used it. So we know that the Russian security services are not the only country or you know security services that have it. And we also know, you know, it got in the black market. So there could be criminals, there could be, you know, oligarch billionaires who have it. So this could be part of a black flag operation, you know, by one of Putin's enemies uh, in league with the foreign intelligence services. And also there is a facility, a secret facility in Britain, four kilometers from the, uh, the park bench where Skirpal was found that is known to manufacture Novichek as well. So I think it's a fallacy that, that only Russia has it, and there's no actual proof. You know, it's a weak case to assume that Russia is the culprit because allegedly they're the only country that has it, and we know that's not true. So, And no evidence has been produced that the Russian security services are behind it except some alleged videos that are really very fishy. And so the way this is all constructed, I really liked your article the way you laid it out, but you know, you have a pilot. He orders an emergency landing back at Omsk in Russia where Navalny was treated at the, this local hospital. And as we indicated, the doctors did not find evidence of chemical substances in his system, attributed it to a metabolic disorder, likely uh, that type of thing, used this anticholinesterase we talked about earlier. Actually, it's called atropine. But at the urging of his family, he was sent to Germany. Bear with me as I go through this a little bit, because I wanted to just indicate how our lack of due process is manifested in these types of, of stories in which the public rushes to judgment. Almost like a young child can be misled intentionally by their parents in order to insulate them for truths they may not be ready to handle. But this medevac was arranged by known anti-Putin actors, and, and he was taken to uh, this location. The CIA and the British MI6 had briefed the German officials with details about the poisoning. At the Berlin hospital, doctors diagnosed him with this poisoning with this type of inhibitor of the cholinesterase uh, enzyme or whatever. And then in early September, a week or two later, they announced that the test proved that Navalny was poisoned by this Novichok group. And it's interesting that the way the United States public can be played into believing a falsehood or an unsubstantiated allegation made by our government or by any entity seduced by our intelligence or government-related entity. In, in Navalny case here, in Navalny case, he's poisoned in August. So first an intelligence finding comes out, what, five months later, right? March the 2nd, 21, according to the New York Times. It's de declassified, claiming that the FSB, which is, of course, is a federal service, secret service, one of Russia's leading intelligence agencies, that the FSB orchestrated the poisoning of Navalny on that, that August date. 
and the announcement of sanctions by by the Biden administration occur the very same day, the second of of March. Meanwhile, there has been no, as your article points out, nothing has been released to substantiate the finding or or to accompany the finding, and so no notice. Uh, that there's no hard evidence to support the certainty that Russia state actors did any of this. In other words, the allegation without even the pretense of including evidence is presented, but it takes the form of a proven fact. Based on that unproven fact, these undiplomatic insults are thrown around by, by Biden. And then meanwhile, the UN Special Rapporteur on December 30th of 2020 comes out and sends a letter to the Russian authorities saying that if proven, the allegations of Navalny's poisoning constitutes a violation of the right to life. I mean, well, duh. But what's really important to understand here is that the rapporteur obviously has not seen proof or else he wouldn't have written it with that language, if proven. So apparently, whatever has been brought to the attention of the UN is insufficient proof of the accusations, yet everyone has convicted Russia once again. Not that I'm saying they they absolutely did not, because I don't know. Uh, We don't know. But like you say, due process means, you know, you're innocent until proven guilty. And yet this is the same theater that's represented time and time and time again in Syria as well. So would you like to just kind of wrap things up with your take on how our mainstream media and and not asking any of these questions that you have in this article leads the American, it's just a huge disservice to the American public and, and leads us to to war after war after conflict after conflict um, that we later find out was not substantiated. Yeah, I, I think you summed things up really well. And, you know, this has been going on with Russia for years. There have been countless allegations, and only a fraction of them may be true. You know, uh, Russia was accused of shooting down this uh, airplane over Ukraine, but there's evidence, uh, you know, Robert Perry had done investigations which would indicate it very well may have been the Ukrainian military, right. but there were sanctions applied, even, you know, again, before the investigation. So, you know, in this case, they've released it. Biden claimed there was an intelligence report, but he never released the report. So we don't have any information. You know, we're just supposed to accept their word about it. But these are the same people who lied about WMDs in Iraq. You know, why should we trust them? They, they've done this time and time again, as you said. They've lied to us and proven their report had no foundation. You know, uh, they they did this with the Russian uh, election meddling. They released a report in 2017 that they had high confidence, but they they weren't certain. And you know, if you, if you have high confidence, but that that's not firmly established. So it's just it's it's completely fishy, and you know, points to corruption. You know, an underlying agenda that they have to go after these leaders and countries to keep the military budget high, to keep permanent state of war to keep go after leaders that push for more independent policy in their countries that will benefit their people. And this happens time again with disastrous results for almost everybody, mm-hmm. certainly the people of those countries. You know, countries like Libya that were destroyed in the U.S. NATO invasion. It's a 10-year anniversary. The Russian sanctions have harmed Russia, uh, Russia a lot, its economy. And it's, it's part of a program of destabilization that could lead to a nuclear war. So mm-hmm. people have to wake up. And, you know, notice the pattern and demand, you know, facts and evidence before reaching conclusions. And unfortunately, also the progressive media has often dropped the ball on these stories. You know, they don't uh, investigate 
And, you know, it's available on the on the Internet, those cases about Navalny. You know, I, I don't speak Russian, so to take an investigative reporter could read maybe some of the documents in those cases to render further judgment. But the uh, information that is accessible raises serious red flags uh, about him in those cases, given what I was saying, that he established a shell company in Cyprus, that the people he was with were convicted very you know, clearly, uh, admitted to guilt, uh, and that the, it wasn't the Russian government always accusing him. It, it was uh, you know, the party people he was working for making the accusations. So it's, it's highly questionable that he's actually a political prisoner. Mm-hmm. Well, listen, we've had the great pleasure and privilege of having a Jeremy Kuzmarov as our guest tonight. And let me just end the show by mentioning, you know, you're the managing editor of Covert Action magazine. I think the, the, the name of the magazine, Covert Action, this is, everything is so covert that in order to get at the truth, you really have to search, search it out. I mean, because we're given one side, all of this information is left out. You know, we started the show off about how, what a great a hero Navalny is, and now we find out, well, wait a minute, there's, a, you know, another side to this whole thing. But it's, it's almost like you could apply that to all of the coverage of so many things that we've cast judgment on. And if you ask and demand for proof and verification and validation, then you're accused of being like a Russian sympathizer or, a, you know, a, a, what a, an Assad apologist or a, right on down the lines. And, and those things that we have accused these people of, they're not even bringing up the 2013 gas attacks anymore that were, you know, that John Kerry swore up and down was absolute certainty was executed by the Assad government because it was not certain. And it, it absolutely is not certain. And Cy Hirsch did a lot of work around that and such. But I wanted to thank you for your work and, and the work of your magazine, too. Can you end the show by just saying if people want more information and want to access your article that we've been covering today with all of its different links and such to do a real deep dive study on all this or other articles of similar na- nature, how can they, how can they access uh, those findings? Well, our website is www.covertactionmagazine.com. And, yeah, we have many articles. We had a series on, on Biden and his history in government. We had uh, we have an article today about the Libyan war and the misinformation. You know, that's another case that that's in some way similar to the Navalny case, where you have a demonization of a leader and, and disinformation is promoted, mm-hmm. building toward, in that case, a, a catastrophic war that destroyed Libya. And, you know, these are often Democrats doing this, so it's disturbing, yeah, and that, that anybody who tries to look into the truth is smeared, and that's more a feature of a totalitarian state, which is unfortunately, I think, how U.S. society is evolving, but mm-hmm. we're trying at yeah, Covert Action Magazine, so you can go to our website. Uh, we have good articles. Yeah, we're trying to build the resources of our website and reach more people, so we'll have more critical thinking, and, and we can build movements of opposition to this insanity mm-hmm. and demand truth and accountability in government and, and to endless wars. Very good. We've had the great privilege of visiting with Jeremy Kuzmarov, and we'll look forward to following your work, and thank you for your time tonight. Thank you. It's great to be with you. Okay. Ciao. Please stay tuned for our local music mix that comes up next. To our listening public, thank you for joining us once again. Please email any questions, comments, or interests to pgatos00 at gmail.com. We take you out as we do each week with Land of Naivety. See you next week.
Psychology. 